Welcome to the October episode of the CEO Podcast with CEO Anthony Antone. This month, Anthony is talking about labor costs in 2023 and the new wage reports. Check the story notes for links to the web pages we mentioned in this show. If you have any questions about this episode, email podcast at wahospitality.org. Thank you to our sponsor, My Hospitality Insurance. Visit myhospitalityinsurance.com for your free quote today. And now, here's Anthony. Happy October, everyone. October, holy cow. I got in the booth of me, our comm, our comm director, our incredible comm director, uh, Lex Nipomiceno. Lex, you know, I'm really proud of my heritage of being Greek, but the one time I get jealous, I think, is when the Germans have Oktoberfest. <laughs> in October, yeah, they and they get to have something. That we, we don't have anything like that. Does, does the Filipino culture have any cool October or a month of the year that is like well, a little bit really... different, a little bit different weather in the Philippines? So, yeah, you know, <laughs> so, so no Oktoberfest there. It's usually hurricane season over there right now. So, uh, but no, I I would be envious of Oktoberfest. As well. Are there hurricane parties like there are in New Orleans? Is there is there things where people are like. I wouldn't call them parties. I, the lights do turn off, though. Yeah. So you know, but but no parties. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever like, been to Germany for Oktoberfest, or or where where's been your favorite the closest October? Closest I've ever been to Oktoberfest uh, in German heritage has been Leavenworth, yeah. which is great. It's just an oh, it's you know Washington. We have so many different things for people to visit and think, but but October and Leaven Leavenworth is. Oktoberfest, it's, it's, a, it's a cool place. Yes, it's a lot of fun. Well, as we're getting into October, let's talk about the news from September. And we've got some new announcements for our different pillars. Uh, for those of you who don't have our pillars memorized yet, on our best day, we do four things for the industry. We protect and enhance the business climate through our government affairs team. We want to be your primary source of information. We want to give you great programs and give you an ROI. And we want to help our workforce succeed. So Lex, maybe you and I can go back and forth and give people an update. I'll start with one on the education side because we don't lead with that very often. We're really excited on November 17th. Get it on your calendar because for the first time ever, our fall hospitality conference is teaming with WSU and WSU and Washington Hospitality will have a joint hospitality conference. It's a chance for them to go over to the West Side and show off all their upcoming juniors and seniors, a chance for us to talk about the key things that WSU is studying about where the industry is going, uh, and a chance for us all to get together and talk. So November 17th, get that on your calendar, and we are preparing for that. Lex, what's going on on the government affairs side? Well, there's uh, uh, listening sessions that are um, uh, both in-person and virtual that will be coming up, uh, talking about the 2023 legislative session, uh, because it's just right around the corner. Uh, so we'll be able to hear from you uh, about priorities that you have uh, for the association, what you want us to focus on. And so these listening sessions are a great way to do that. We have events in King County, Pierce, and Watkin counties uh, uh, set in stone. And uh, we'll soon have location and times for other parts of the state, including eastern Washington and southwest Washington. So uh, um, be sure to check us out at uh, wahospitality.org to find out the latest dates and locations of those. If you can't make it to one of the in-person uh, meetings, we do have a virtual session scheduled for November 10th. Well, th- those are going to be those are going to be good because I think it's a really interesting time that we're at in government affairs and what's going on with our business climate. And we'll talk more about that in in the main part of our show. But let me switch over to BizDev. We've got a new healthcare partner in Aetna, 
who's offering additional health care coverage for anywhere uh, in Washington. Also have national options. We're now up to 27 health plans that our health care committee. So your peers sit on a committee and say, what are the best kinds of health care the industry needs? And now they've now developed 27 different plans for you to have options of. So most people, I think, have their health care come up in the in the fall and before the start of the year. So at least get a quote from us because then the, you can leverage that quote against what you have. But mm-hmm. hopefully our quote will actually help you, um, which is the goal. So that that plan continues to develop. You know, another thing on, on BizDev, not to give two things in, in one area, but also a lot of insurance companies have notified a lot of our restaurants that they're dropping small business altogether. That is why we were ahead of it. We saw this coming. We saw the direction that the major corporations on healthcare, on in, not healthcare, but in business insurance were going. If you've got notice of that, or even if you just want to know your options are in case you get that notice that you're one of the thousands that are being dropped by the major business insurance corporations, check us out because we're trying to give you a good option and still protect your business. And then Lex, of course, is what you do. Yep. You're our primary source of information. What's going on in COM? Well, we've had a lot of things going on. It hasn't but even though we're, we're technically post-COVID, it's been a very eventful year. One of our most popular toolkits that we've created for our members has been on the wildfire uh, and disaster relief uh, situations. And uh, that's been a very popular download for our members. Uh, one of the things that the team is working on right now is a... Um, uh, is a lodging toolkit to talk about some of the needs there. We have a service model toolkit. So our toolkits have really been a big source of member information. Members like the fact that they can go to one page and have everything in one place and knowing that if they come back a week later, that we'll update it with information that's relevant to them. So it's been a great resource for, for our members to keep up to date on information that really affects their bottom line. And so we have more of those coming. It's been a very eventful um, eventful summer, and it's going to be a very eventful uh, fall for us. I think it's really interesting that when we got out of the magazine business, because mm-hmm. the world was getting around for magazines, we're like, well, which source of information is going to replace it? Yep. I'm not sure I knew that toolkits were going to be such a dominant source. You see thousands of downloads each quarter. Yep. On stuff that you even wrote two years ago because it's still valuable, but it's easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Is that is that going to continue? Did it surprise you how popular toolkits have become among our among our industry? It surprised me how popular they've they continue to become. I mean, I, I thought during the pandemic it made a lot of sense because uh, members are really looking for all sorts of information to be on top of everything. But uh, the fact that it's continued to grow in importance and significance for our members, and it's been their go-to resource for a lot of things. I mean, we we put together the HERA manual, uh, employment law manuals, all these other documents. But in the end, people like to get everything in these one-pager formats where all the information is, and then they, they can bookmark it, they can come back to it and reference it later. So, um yeah, no, it's been a pleasant surprise. Your team does such a good job of working with the state agencies to say, regardless of whether we agree with the rule or not, mm-hmm. help us write it in a rule and provide the understanding. So even a simpleton like Anthony yeah. <laughs> can, can understand it. So kudos to your team. Other thing on national news, California passed the FAST Act. And if you haven't heard about it, this is really probably something you should go to the website and learn on. It's not the topic of our podcast today. Probably will be a future topic of of a, of a podcast. But in a nutshell, the FAST Act takes businesses that are connected by 100 units or more. So that could be a franchise, that could be a company that owns multiple units, it could be a variety of things, and delegates the responsible, responsibility for their labor law to a 10-person politically appointed council. 
And in California, that would give them the permission to do scheduling. It'd give them the permission to do like a $22 minimum wage. It'd give them in above the standard for everybody else. While initially they're targeting fast food side of our industry, the quick service side of our industry, the reality is that model could then apply to if you're a lodging franchisee or if your company is looking to grow, or even if you're on a block competing against everyone else, it's going to change the dynamics of, of how you compete. So if you get a chance, Lex's team, Andy, I think, one of the strong members of our team wrote a really nice piece on the FAST Act. Become familiar with it because it's going to become probably the major topic of the next few years. And so I want to put that on people's radar. This episode is brought to you by My Hospitality Insurance. Our focus is to ensure Washington Hospitality Association members utilize the strength and collective premiums to maximize coverage in their insurance purchasing process. Visit MyHospitalityInsurance.com for your free quote today. Let's go back to what's been a major topic for us for years and and probably the meat of of today's podcast, which is the increase in all the state's minimums. Just one week ago, the state of Washington announced its new minimum wage of of $15.74, more than a dollar increase. And, you know, Lex, I don't remember a time before where an impact has been so regional. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you're in the downtown area or the Puget Sound core, you may be saying, I can't find anyone $15.74 anyway. Yeah. But if you're on the coast or you're in central Washington or another rural part of the state or maybe an area that still has unemployment over six, mm-hmm. this is going to be a real impact for you. Yeah. Well, what, what it's going to force businesses to do is to really th- rethink their business model, uh, their revenue streams, their operations. Um, you know, what do they need to survive? Because this trend, unfortunately, is not going to stop. <laughs> you know, there's uh, costs going up across the board, not just with wages, but with supply chain and, uh, but wages is the biggest one. And uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, that's not the trend that we see slowing down. Well, and it's not just the state minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Seattle, as of this morning on the podcast, just announced their new minimum wage, which is jumping to 1869. So one of those first few minimum wages to jump over $18 an hour, Mm -hmm. well over $18 an hour. And then We're anticipating the city of SeaTac announcing their minimum wage any day now. And the projections are that'll be over $19 an hour. The first one in the country over $19 for for a city. And yet here they are. And we can complain and spin into the wind and scream. And but we're going to be in this labor situation for the next five years where we're short workers for another five years. We're gonna be fiercely competing for workers. Lex, how do you even begin to get your head around this one? Well, I, I think one, it's going to be really difficult for operators as, as somebody who formerly had uh, a, a string of businesses. Uh, the issue that I would come up in my mind would be, we just got out of a pandemic. We just got out of, we were one of the lucky ones to survive. And then boom, right afterwards, we're hit with uh, rising costs with supply chain and then now uh, this minimum wage, we have no room to breathe, it feels, right? And so as a business owner, you 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 
you go through those tough questions, you reevaluate your choices in life. Unfortunately, you go through one of those things, but then you, but then when, when, it, when it's all said and done, you have to, you bear down and say, okay, what do we need to do to survive? And, uh, and that's different stages for every, for every business owner. But I think um, they're going to go through those five stages. And, and I think that uh, after the shock, after the, uh, the woe was me, because we've just been through this very difficult time. And now this, um, I think in the end, our business owners are going to think about, okay, what, what next, what do we need to do to survive? Not just this year, but the next three, four, five years. Well, I think one, I, I agree with you. I think the instant reaction of, of my family growing up in the restaurant business would be one of anger, yeah. right? And one of frustration and how am I going to survive? Mm-hmm. But what we have to probably lead the industry to quickly is this is coming up fast. Yes. There's no political change that's going to happen between now and then. What do you do? And as always, I always try to remind people it's best to increase prices in your before your busiest season, not at the start of your slowest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got these three minimum wages that are announced. Um, it's likely Tukwila will also follow SeaTac. And so it's likely Tukwila, it's yet announced, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was also right around $19 an hour. You want to be ahead of your caterings. <laughs> you want to be ahead of your your busy Christmas season. So when you look at your business changes, how do you make those changes and menu prices, adjustments, and other things in time to catch for many in the industry is their busiest six weeks of the year between Thanksgiving and through New Year's. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping you get frustrated, you, get, you go outside, you scream at the wind, then you come back in and say, okay, now I got to act. Mm-hmm. And here's how I'm going to act. You still had your places when you had to deal with, with big changes and big frustrations with that. Mm-hmm. Any mindset or lesson learned that you wish someone would have told you before you had those moments where you got to sit down and make a, make a change that's going to cause change to your business? Now that I've had a few more gray hairs, um, I realized that um, I would have been more proactive on uh, raising my prices, especially now as a consumer side. I go out and I eat out and my wife and I are looking at each other. Didn't the same meal cost $30 last year? How come our bill is now $60? And, and, and we pay it and, and we, you know, and we still tip generously. Um, but uh, those are the questions. And then, but we understand that it doesn't matter if you go to a, a five-star place or if you go to your local quick service, fast, casual restaurant, there's the same price increase across the board as restaurateurs, as business owners, as hoteliers, it's very easy for us to look at just our situation and forget about everywhere else. And we worry that, oh, if we increase our price 10%, 5%, whatever it might be, we might lose customers. But keep in mind, those customers are unfortunately facing that same price increase across the board. And by, as a business, if you don't take those steps to protect your bottom line, uh, in the end, it's going to be just you that's going to be paying it. So it's it's that time to to make the decisions. I, I really wished, in hindsight, we would have been we would have had a regular cadence. I think you know operations uh, integrating that type of standard practice into their operations is probably a good idea if they haven't done so already. The reality is, if all your prices are increasing, mm-hmm. and they are, yes, food, electric. There's going to be a 5% increase in payroll costs from workers' comp, UI, and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. The minimum wage is now up 9%. Mm-hmm. Overall, wages are up 12 to 14%. All your prime costs are now up. Mm-hmm. You can't stay in business 
and 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 if you don't adjust. And so I, I do remember those days of of my dad <laughs> sitting at our family table with a big old yellow glass ashtray because you know it was the seventies eighties and a and three packs of Pall Malls and and every stolen menu from the Puyallup Valley, mm-hmm. trying to figure out where the new price was because he'd only increase prices every three four years. Mm-hmm. And I think the reality is you got to keep up with what you are paying or you won't be able to pay your customers whatever or pay your employees whatever the minimum wage is cuz you won't be able to keep up so yeah. take the take the moment now there is this quiet between october and thanksgiving that you do have a little time to be a strategy it's post summer rip yourself away from trying to cover for the cook and some of the other areas and get prepared for your busiest season of the year is about the best thing but the the, the other thing i think is is fascinating is I just talked about a minimum wage over $19. Mm-hmm. I just talked about the state minimum wage going up over a dollar. And that's probably not the biggest impactful news we heard. Probably it's the new salary threshold for salaried employees. And for larger businesses, that's jumping to 65000 almost $500 a year in order for you to be salaried. And, and inflation certainly had a hit on that. If you look at the current projection now, by 2028, that salary threshold for for both small and large businesses is going to be 93,000 a year. Part of this strategy adjustment is what do you do with salaried employees moving forward? I think one of the things is you're just going to have to look at maybe phasing out the salaried elements of your staffing or or scale it back, but uh, you know, Unfortunately, it's going to be very difficult for a lot of businesses who have been set uh, in how they treat managers, how they treat assistant managers, how they have their own salary ladder uh, to uh, pull back on that. And so uh, it's going to definitely be a challenge, but it's going to force businesses to have to implement more wider scale uh, minimum wage levels than even at their management ranks, as opposed to just assigning salaries um, beyond their drivers or beyond their entry-level employees. Or, or at least think differently. Now's the time to strategize and think through, and hopefully we provide ideas. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people thought last year when the threshold jumped to 50, almost 53,000, that it would be the end of salary employees, and, and people made adjustments. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people found those adjustments actually to work. You know, they they budgeted and menu-priced for their manager's that are now hourly to actually get 10, 15 hours a week in overtime and built that into their pricing model. Mm -hmm. And I heard from a lot of folks, it wasn't the end of the world. It forced a lot of their salary people to be more efficient because they're thinking about being on the clock versus, hey, I'm here anyway. And so not that you putts, I don't think any of us putts around, but when you're not feeling that urgency, you know, sometimes you extend your work hours accidentally. And so, who really needs to be salaried in our industry moving forward is a question. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that salaried was a, an indicator that you've reached a level of management responsibility. Does all that just have to be rethought? Uh, yeah, uh, because I think uh, the um, restaurant industry in particular uh, and, and, and lodging industry uh, would really, they've been set in those ways for decades and it's going to be a difficult time uh, unlearning some of those things, not just for the managers and owners, but for the employees. Well, and all this stuff mixes in, right? Because now you're 
more and more of the industry is looking at tip pooling. Mm -hmm. And now you've got to factor in the salary thresholds. Now you have to factor in minimum wages, mm -hmm. cats and bears and tigers, oh my. Yeah. It's just going to be different, including probably technology is going to have to relieve a lot of this as well. Mm -hmm. And some of these other things. Let's, let's give us something positive, Lex. If you're trying to say, hey, holy crap, <laughs> I just got through a pandemic. If I didn't get a major form of relief, I'm in debt. Mm -hmm. And now I'm looking at these kind of numbers. Give me a shining star to look past the numbers to what my goal is. Well, I, what, what would come in my mind would be there are more tools and resources available to us today than there ever has been in the history of our industry whether that's technology, whether that's experts, whether it's other people in the industry. And I would say harness and leverage all of those resources. The team uh, at the Hospitality Association has created uh, a technology toolkit and a service model toolkit to give you several different ideas uh, to consider in applying your own business. Uh, technology solves so many problems, uh, uh, not just in non-hospitality sectors, but certainly in hospitality sectors. And I think uh, embracing those things uh, is really an important thing for the, and it'll be the difference between the businesses that survive and the businesses that thrive. I would agree with that. And I, and I would also say that technology is just about to make the serious impact in the industry that it has the potential to make. Our industry has resisted it for years. I think combination of these factors. So I, I think who on your team or who in the organization is keeping your eye on technology. I know you have brought on a, t a technology consultant, mm -hmm. but I think that's a great thing. I think it shows where the industry is going. But, but let me do two things. One, you're in the same boat as everybody else. Mm -hmm. No one right now has the manager business model that is unaffected by all these things we just talked about. Everyone is struggling with how do I manage tips? How do I manage my salary people at the front desk or, or otherwise in my property? How do I manage these new minimum wages in these new areas? That's It's universal. And so I think to the degree that the association can keep finding ideas and putting them out there, Lex, I'm going to challenge you and Calm and, and your team, how do we keep throwing out ideas? And whether the idea works for everyone or sticks or not, it's the point of just keeping opening in mind. So can you commit to me that in the upcoming year, you're going to keep every time we find a new idea, we'll throw it out there for people to kick around and chew on? And perfect. The other one is I want to keep coming back to the generational shift. And we're going to be in this workforce crisis for five years. Mm -hmm. We were going to see more natural pressure on wages and stuff anyway. And so this was going to come and it's going to be coming for a while until the Gen Xers start retiring and the boomers who are such a huge generation are fully out of the workforce. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see that continued pressure for four or five years. Yet those millennials and those Gen Zers, what they want to buy is experiences. Mm -hmm. Customers wanting us is going to be at an all-time high as these two generations become the bulk of the workforce. And as they have the bulk of the buying power, they're going to want to get away to Leavenworth for Oktoberfest. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to come to Shalander in the summer. They're going to want to come to, to your area. They're going to want to eat out seven, eight times a week or more. And all the data shows us that if anything, I think we we're afraid that the pandemic would stop it. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is the pandemic has reinforced it to be stronger among those generations. It hasn't kept them at home. It's, it's caused their desire to eat out and experience the world 
in our great state at a higher level. So we're going to have customers. Mm-hmm. How we service them, how we charge them is going to be different for sure. And, and that's, I think, the shining star to keep your eye on is we're all going through it. There's no competitor across the street that's got it figured out. It's not going to run by me. They're working on the same thing you are. And we're going to have customers tomorrow. And yeah. so not to be overly Disney-esque in, in, in the happy ending, but because these increases in the minimum wage, these increases in salary thresholds, these increases in inflation are real. Mm-hmm. The debt you incurred during COVID is real, but we are moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, my family uh, eats out almost as much as we did before the pandemic started. And we're noticing that restaurants and hotels uh, are as full now as they've ever been before, if not more. And what keeps us coming back to the same places is not the price, is not the uh, not even the menu sometimes. It's the experience. Uh, who has that best hospitality um, when, when they go to your table, when they go to your room, when they go to all these things. And so that's the thing that we need to remember being in this industry is that's why we're here is hospitality. And if your customers uh, go to your establishment and feel, and come out with a smile, yeah, they may have paid a little bit more or yeah, it may have been, you know, maybe this, the, the portions may have been just a tiny bit uh, a smaller, whatever it might be, but if th- they'll come back. And so, because again, I've seen establishments uh, as busy now as they were before the pandemic. You know, that's a really interesting point because I, uh, I'm glad you made it because I was, I was at church on Sunday and during COVID, um, when I saw anyone from the church, it'd be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you surviving? I'm worried about my, my favorite restaurant. This time, the older lady at church came up and said, can I tell you about the horrible service that I just got at a, at a, at a, at a national chain restaurant? Like, I'm going to call the CEO of this company and say, let me tell you about the horrible service I got. But if you focus on the fundamentals, if you can say, you know what, I'm going to do one less shift, but the staff that I do have are incredible at hospitality mm-hmm. and they greet the guests. Now's the time where I can build loyalty. Maybe there's, maybe that's the silver lining. Maybe that's the secret sauce of really focusing on what great hospitality looks like. Well, these are different times, like any football procrastinator, right? Mondays can make us look silly compared to how Sunday games actually went, Uh, but these are changing times. So I would encourage you all to take this time between now and the holidays and really think through your strategy. Talk to the people you trust, bring your leadership teams together, and put together a strategy that has a four-year window in mind, not a surviving January in mind, and to make your business great. It really is an honor to serve you. Um, Thank you for the trust you put in us. We're gonna continue to work really hard. Please get to your government affairs listening sessions. We're developing our agenda. What you need us to work on is gonna come from those sessions um, where you want us to prioritize. So you're gonna have the chance to give us direct input about how we can start turning this around in, in in our great state. So with that, Lex, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Everyone have a great October. Join us next month when a special guest from the National Restaurant Association will sit down with Anthony. Thank you for listening.